We are back for the March 30th edition of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap at KFGO.com. My name is Ryan Janke, and I'm here with Corey Litton. Yo, what's up? Hey. Happy WrestleMania week. WrestleMania, yeah, that's right. And uh, an opening day for baseball. Man. Well, that's the show for today. <laughs> I'm like, when does uh, my Phillies game start? Oh, yeah, 3 o'clock. I got time. Okay. Right. You're a Phillies fan, huh? Yep. Okay. My uh, my son is a 76ers fan. Not quite sure how that happened. Must like Allen Iverson. He's not in it. Well, he has a, I think he has an Allen Iverson jersey, actually. So He doesn't wear it to practice, I bet. <laughs> practice, man. Just talking about practice. We're talking about practice now. All right, <laughs> let's let's get rolling. Hey, before we get started, though, I guess uh, let me just say that uh, you have found us. Make sure a friend finds us too. Share this podcast around. Let them know you found this great racing podcast that covers the local scene here in the Fargo Moorhead Red River Valley area, but also World of Outlaws, NASCAR, all that stuff. We get interviews with movers and shakers you don't want them to miss it do you Corey? absolutely not i mean i barely want to miss it ever and i'm involved so (laughs) yeah yeah, i like to be here every week (laughs) yeah exactly so uh yeah let them know you can find us at kfgo.com or anywhere you get your podcast so let's get going we had some nascar action march 26th the circuit of the americas in austin texas yeah, so we had stage one, which was 15 laps to start the race off. All right, William Byron took the lead from the start, but the field was quickly slowed after one complete lap when a crash involving Brad Keselowski, Chris Buescher, Ty Dillon, and Jimmy Johnson brought out the yellow flag. Byron overshot the first turn on the restart, handing the lead over to Austin Sindrick with Tyler Reddick jumping up to second. Reddick put heavy pressure on Sindrick, and that paid off with Sindrick taking the lead on lap eight. Byron moved up to the runner-up spot just one lap later. On lap 11, Kyle Larson found himself facing the wrong way when Bubba Wallace misjudged the braking zone at turn 12, plowing into the back of Larson. Coming in hot! Coming in hot. He came in way too hot. (laughs) Just as Larson was making his move to pit, he drove across the nose of Denny Hamlin's car and spinning out for the second time in lap 1. That brought out the race's second yellow. That brought the leader and others to pit road just before stage break, which was won by William Byron, followed by Austin Sidrick, A.J. Allmendinger, Alex Bowman, and Ross Chastain. Stage 2, 15 laps. William Byron, fresh off the stage win, took off on the start of Stage 2. Ryan Blaney was spun out by Kyle Larson. That had to have given you heartburn. Yeah, I didn't like it. That happened on the stage's third lap. Blaney was able to get his car going and back to pit road before bringing out a caution. Reddick, on the fresher tires, started passing cars quickly, made his way up to the top five as the remaining leaders made their way to pit road halfway through stage two. When the stop cycled through, Reddick was back in the lead with Austin Dillon, Michael McDowell, Kevin Harvick, and Chris Buescher rounding out the top five to end stage two. Race to the finish, which is a 38-lap scheduled distance. Uh, They did a little bit more than that. Um, Scheduled. 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 (laughs) Uh, Just two laps was all it took for pit stops to start again, but Kyle Larson's bad luck continued as he was too fast on pit road. Tyler Reddick built up a 19-second lead on the field when he decided to pit just before lap 33. Reddick's crew got him out in the 10th position as Chris Buescher took over the race lead. A lap later, Buescher took it to the pits, handing the lead over to William Byron. Reddick again continued to march forward, putting himself into the third spot by the halfway point, up to second on lap 37 and back to the lead on lap 39. With 42 laps completed, the caution flag came out again. This time it was for dirt getting thrown out onto the track, which is funny because two weeks from now they were racing at a track covered in dirt. Yeah, we'll get to my kvetching about that later. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it caused multiple cars to spin out, which can be funny at times, At times, but, you know, it's kind of a hassle. So they threw out the caution on that one. Uh, that brought everybody but Joey Logano, Harrison Burton, and Cody Ware to pit lane. Reddick won the race off of uh, the pit lane, but Byron came out second, Daniel Suarez in third, Chastain in fourth, and Austin Dillon in fifth. Byron jumped out to the lead, Chastain up to second, and Reddick in a turn three in the restart with 25 laps to go. 
Byron and Reddick raced hard for several laps in the front until Reddick was able to take the lead with 22 laps remaining. By the way, his car was really good mm-hmm. all day it's, long. It seemed that way. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. Even, I'm not like trying to say that I'm much of a Tyler Reddick fan, even though he has raced in the area. He ra- mm. he's raced up at Grand Forks at the oh, River okay. City Speedway back in his late model, and I do I do like the guy. But I mean, the whole uh, if it seems like I'm balanced towards him or biased towards him in this uh, report, it's because he did a lot of good stuff. Uh, so with uh, 20 laps to go, Kyle Larson's tough day continued when suspension damage caused him to have to take his car to pit road. With the long run, drivers settled in a more comfortable pace and tried to save their cars for the end of the race. But with 12 laps to go, Brad Keselowski slowed to a stop bringing out the yellow flag. That brought the leaders to the pits. Reddick won the race off of pit road, Byron in second, Suarez in third, Bowman in fourth, and Dillon in fifth. Christopher Bell stayed out and took over the race lead with Kyle Busch in second, Denny Hamlin in third, and Kimi Raikkonen in fourth, the Iceman. Old Kimi, yeah. The uh, former former, uh, champion there, world champion. Uh, Ryan Priest was in the fifth spot with the rest of the field filling in behind them for the restart. Reddick jumped on the inside and passed five cars on the restart to take the lead as Austin Dillon got together with A.J. Allmendinger spinning out in turn number one. Also involved was Ross Chastain, who couldn't get his car moving, and the caution flag flew again. Reddick overshot turn one on the restart, which allowed William Byron to take the the race lead with seven to go. Reddick was able to get the lead back with five to go, but a NASCAR caution came out for debris just one lap later. That set up overtime. A big wreck in turn one meant the caution would fly again because of debris coming off of Ryan Blaney and fluid coming off of Ryan Priest, so there would be... Double overtime, which quickly went back to the yellow as Martin Truex Jr. and Daniel Suarez spun in turn number one. Justin Haley spun in turn 11. Michael McDowell and Kimi Raikkonen spun in the carousel. It was spinning going around everywhere. Um, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I, I, I would like to say what I really want to say about what was going on, like what it reminded me of, but I don't want to offend uh-huh. any of our listeners here, so sure. I won't make fun of their B-Mod class or anything like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sea main during the daytime <laughs> just spinning going on everywhere um <laughs> so uh where was i here that uh in suarez had a flat tire which is the main reason for the yellow setting up triple overtime all right here is the call from nascar.com now you got a driver give me one more white flag. flag one lap to go next flag ends the race Kyle Busch and Bowman for second. And they're going to have company. That is a beautiful thing, though, for Tyler Reddick and that 45, guys. It's kind of neat how emotional Kurt Busch gets here. I agree. It's amazing. 23-11 and how fast we're growing and how, how much we're doing together. It's forward together on this program. And it brings, brings me a little bit to be choked up. I was hoping to be back in that car, but it's in good hands. And it's a great team, and I love racing with those guys. And they say the Grinch's heart grew three times its size that day. <laughs> oh, gee. Reddick running away, second still in doubt. Come on, man. <laughs> what? Let him have his moment. <laughs> I know, it was very heartwarming. This is long. These laps are long. We'll get to our kvetching about that, too, I think. <laughs> Bowman looking outside for second. And Byron trying to mount a run on Chastain. What a job Reddick has done today, right, Mike? I mean, have you seen that on a road course in a while? He's led 40 of the 74 laps. He and William Byron put on quite a show and dominated. But Reddick in the breaking zones had the measure of Byron and everybody else today. He was so fast, he pitted an extra time and still won this race. Still put himself in position. The speed in this car, the job they did, Billy Scott and company, and that kid behind the wheel, pretty impressive. That is a big nugget to remember, is that they were off sequence, and Billy Scott's like, we have speed, I'm putting you back in with the group, let's take our our lumps now. And now here they are. And through holding these guys off of so many attempts at these restarts, so close, and then the caution comes out, heck, you can't help but to, to root for him. Through 19. Tyler Reddick, a two-time winner on the road courses of the Cup Series last year. 
Finished top 10 in both Coda races. Pressure here, we go back to the line. Three of his four wins come on the road course. Tyler Reddick, Masters Circuit of the Americas. Again, Reddick got to a great restart despite Rex at different parts of the track, was able to ride off into the sunset for the win over Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain, and William Byron. The win makes it his fourth career or four career wins for Reddick, his first joining 23, uh, the 2311 racing team this season, third driver to win in the 45 car in a year, um, which that was the thing. So if there, if it wasn't heartwarming enough, mm-hmm. I mean, my joke at uh, the expense of Kurt Busch was not as bad as Larry McReynolds' stat coming in there a little <laughs> bit later, as Kurt is still a little bit choked up, and Larry McReynolds says, uh, that's the third different driver to win in the 45 car this year. Way to rub it in, Larry. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I'm not the total evil one in this. <laughs> and I think if, if uh, I heard this right... Uh, fact check me or let me know if I'm wrong, but three of Reddick's four wins were on road courses. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be a guy to watch for a while, I think, on those road course races. And, you know, he almost had several wins last year, too. He almost went to Bristol and got wiped out on the last lap. Yep. Um, I mean, he was he's always been up towards the front. He's always been a very good, solid racer, but always yeah. just has bad luck at the end of, end of a race. Or he gets passed. Or, I mean, he got taken out at this race last year. Yeah, right. So he could, I mean, that's two two races right there where he, he pretty much had the win, yeah. you know, in hand, but it just didn't didn't come to be. Okay. Can I grumble now a little bit? Yes. Okay. And you can grumble with me if you like, because we were grumbling via text message on Sunday. I've kind of lost a lot of my fight from that, <laughs> but I got some points to make. So uh, the it's a, it's a, what, a three-mile track? 3.5. Four, I believe. Just okay, a little so under three and a half miles. three and a half miles. And you have a caution, so there's 68 laps scheduled. 68 laps, right? So if you get a caution flag and they are under caution for five laps, you've almost got a tenth of your race on one caution. That's right. Is there something that we can do to, <laughs> to speed this up a little bit? Do we really need to have five... Caution laps for debris on the track, or or something like that. On a that? road course like that, I think it's you know it's it's maddening to deal with that. It because uh, okay, what is the what is the one thing that people hate about racing the most? The the average fan, what stops them from paying attention? The downtime, I'm sure, right? The when it's boring, yeah. And if they don't like it when they're going fast, they're gonna hate it when they're going slow, right? So you, once you think about it. I mean, it's a 3.424-something mile uh, a road course. The pit road speed is 45 miles an hour on there. Yeah. So imagine going 45 miles an hour around a 3.4-mile racetrack. Right. Think of the downtime you're going to have and per do- lap on that one. Why can't we get this done in one lap? And you have a minimum of three, right? A minimum of minimum. three laps. Because the pace car has to pick up the field. Yep. Then they have to drive around and uh, drive past so the leaders can pit. And then uh, they have to go around again for the uh, lap cars to pit. And then then they have to do another lap where they do the choose line thing. Yeah. At this point, you're at, what, four laps now? Okay, so four laps. Four laps. And then you got to get one to go. Yeah. So it's five laps. Five laps. It's you, almost 10% of your race in, about, a, in a 68-lap race. At, at about pretty close to... Uh, what is about? Uh, I'm trying to think of how many, how much time per lap they're they're taking under caution flag. I mean, I had a whole math formula and everything, and I remember we'll just say roughly about I don't know six to seven minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. You made that point the other day when we were texting back and forth. They have the little so up in the upper left hand corner they have their little graph where it's got it's a bar <laughs> a bar graph and then. Uh, when they're under, it has yellow for when they're under caution and green when they're racing. And then you can see, like, based on that bar graph, how many laps, you know, it doesn't tell you the, the number, but it shows you on a graph how much of the race was under green flag. But you made the point, if they took it based on time, Oh, that'd be, it'd be completely different. It'd have I, a I mean, lot of yellow up there. It, yeah, and there was the one the one race uh, that I was watching where they kind of debuted that graphic. I think it was Atlanta. 
uh, and in the nationwide race or the truck race, whichever one it was, I was watching that and it looked between the yellow and the green, it was almost blurred together. Yeah, it looked like uh, like we went tailgating and try and did a, and tie dyed <laughs> some t shirts or something out at the out at the Fargo Dome. While on acid, yeah. Um. (laughs) You know, I'm not a big uh, fan of road courses, and I understand that people are. There's a lot of people who aren't fans of uh, turning left for you know 500 laps, um, (laughs) which is which is more my cup of tea. I I don't I I don't care for them, but I don't have anything against them except for the fact that this really drags it out. There was a there was a time on Sunday when I thought, are we going to need the lights? (laughs) <laughs> Are they going to have to turn the lights on in this place? Yeah, you texted me asking if they had lights there, and I'm sitting there going, ah, I think so, because, I mean, they do a lot of other stuff at that at that venue. Um, they have the concert venue and everything like that at that at the racetrack there. Mm-hmm. I know they have tons of parties and stuff, so they got to have at least some kind of adequate lighting around there. Yeah. Now nah, I'll just leave, I'll leave it alone. We, there's there's plenty of griping we we can do through the NASCAR season. I'll I'll let it go. And I, I've noticed that a lot of the stuff that I really want to complain about, other than what we've already talked about, uh, is mainly from a production aspect, yeah. uh, covering the racing and everything like that. Like, um, nobody knows when to lay out sometimes. Like, like they don't know when to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. I know that's a weird thing for me to say, be, knowing how many how much I talk. Yeah. But I at least, you know, the dynamics of a race are things that I really, you know, take, take uh, importantly because... You know, what's one of the things that everybody really likes about the races you know, that really loves it? It's the sound. Yeah. Like, yeah. so. Yeah. Well, the crank it up. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I like the crank it up a lot. Uh, what's my wife to sleep? One of the things I, you know, I've talked with a lot of uh, announcers that, that have worked around the country that are ki- kind of new at this. And one of the things I try to do is tell them that when they ask what kind of, um, before they get to know me and realize that I really don't have that much uh, information in my head. <laughs> Um, they ask me, you know, they pick my brain a little bit in, like I said, until they find out. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually I like to say like, Hey, no one to not talk. Yeah. Like, uh, the pictures are going to do the, do the justice, but don't talk over when it, everything's loud. Yeah. Like, like, uh, at the start of a race or a restart or anything like that, wait a minute yeah. after you do your starting call, wait a second, let the cars go by, let that noise hit you. Yeah. And and uh, and then you know, pick it up uh, somewhere in turn one or something like that, or if they're wrecking. Yeah. But just let that sound hit you. It 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 it, it just it's more pleasing to, yeah. to listen to that instead of green flag is out and well, and and that's what it sounds like too because a lot of times you can't hear a, a word you're saying sitting down there. Well, yeah, yeah. For me, especially doing a lot of the local dirt track scene, no one's going to hear anything I say right. after the cars start up, anyways, and most of the people don't uh, want to hear. So, especially when the World of Outlaws are in town, <laughs> yeah, not hearing a thing. Yeah, they're definitely not hearing me during the World of Outlaws. Yeah, um, that's for other reasons. So they got their own guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually in the infield by the time the the, the sprint cars start up. Yeah, but, but you uh, know what I mean. It yeah. doesn't matter who's up there; you can't hear. And another thing, you, you know, um, one thing that they stopped doing, which uh, always kind of aggravated me a little bit, was Fox has really gone downhill on, on this one. Um, remember when they used to show the crowd getting like happy that everybody was going to go fast? Like remember, just before a start or a restart, oh, they yeah. have crowd yeah, shots yeah, showing yeah. how ha- how pumped and everybody is. Yep, I remember that. And they, their natural sound mic picked up the crowd, uh-huh. and you could hear the crowd over the start of the cars at the beginning, and then it just had a beautiful way of 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 taking over the crowd noise. And then you'd hear those cars just scream going into turn number in turn number one. Yeah. And then they'd pick it up from there. That yeah. was that's a perfect lap as far as I'm concerned at the beginning of a race. Uh, they don't do that anymore. Yeah, and it's like, well, here's a thing that could really help out NASCAR's coverage, um, along with not being 28 minutes late to start the oh. race after having an hour-long pre-race show to begin with. That's actually what I was going to gripe about. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry, I'll give you plenty of time here. <laughs> I'll let you do the griping on this one. But uh, along with it, you know what? Let's save some money. Let's stop hiring all of these idiot announcers that come through there and just basically interview the same people over and over again yeah um and 
then we talk about several different things. Oh, there's a video package on someone we've already talked about. Let's yeah. cut some of that out and just go with like all this, all the SMI tracks, especially. Yeah, they have a pre-race show that is just incredible. Yeah, it rivals Broadway from what I've heard. Yeah, show that. Yeah, you know, show when the crowd is happy. Yeah, when the crowd's making noise. I mean, I'm pretty sure that means other people are going to be entertained too. Yeah, yep. let's show that it's already done for you. Right. And yep. I no, I I hear you. And the um, the celebrity thing too. I mean, I don't. I can't think of specifics who they've had lately. But I really don't care. On uh, when when the scheduled time is two thirty, and it's two forty three. I don't care what Keith Urban has to say about this NASCAR race. I want that green flag flying so I can watch it. I will say having Coach Beard do the gentleman start your engines from Coach Beard from Ted Lasso. Yeah. I was really happy with that one. He's my favorite <laughs> character on that show. So <laughs> I was pretty happy with that one here this last weekend. Well, the Grand Marshal thing is, you know, having them wave the flag or, or the gentleman start your engines or, the, or that kind of thing. That's, that's neat. But the commentary, I don't care. We don't need that much for talking heads. Yeah. Baseball doesn't have this big of a, a pre-game show every week. And uh, if Sunday proved anything, it's that there's plenty of time to do your talking after the green flag flies. Yeah, <laughs> especially at a road course. Just don't even waste the time at the beginning of the race. Start it on time. I mean, this is one of the things that really started the drop in ratings for NASCAR was its coverage. Yeah, there was uh, 2008 was the year that the 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 ratings started to drop. And that was that also coincided with um, the car of tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yep. Then the Phillies went in the World Series that year might not have helped either. What uh, year what year did you say that was? Oh eight. Oh eight. Okay. That was when NASCAR's ratings dropped from its peak. Really took a dip. Um one of the things that happened that year was I think the second to last race was in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And it was on it was on ESPN, and there were multiple coverage failures throughout the whole race. Yeah. And then there was a a delay issue. And then NASCAR or ESPN decided we're going to preempt. We're going to go to another uh, another sporting event going on right now. Yeah, which basically meant, hey, guess what? Our second to last week of the season, which yeah. has playoff implications going into the final race of the year, yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter to us. And then when the coverage decided, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, guess what? The fans decided it doesn't matter. Right, and it was compounding for years. I mean, right. you know the the um, obviously the death of Dale Earnhardt didn't do NASCAR much much good. And then you had, if you look the, at the ratings, it did wonders for the ratings in NASCAR. They they exploded after that because people wanted to see what was going to happen next. Yeah, and, well the, the the well, and maybe that's where I'm getting at. I I think a lot of those fans were not. The fans that are around anymore right now. Yeah, it, when you made them mad with the coverage full pause that they've been ha- they had with ESPN and Fox, where it just kind of seemed like they just stopped caring. Right. And, and uh, there's multiple issues throughout uh, a lot of the broadcasts now uh, that are that are simple ones uh, that mm-hmm. um, are just a push of a button kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, not to say that I could go out there and do this, but there are just things where it's like this doesn't happen on the NFL. Right. Um, this goes to show you where it's ranking right now with everything. So, I mean, NASCAR's got to figure it out here. Yeah. We got to say, hey, coverage partners, get your poop in a group here or, you know, take a walk. We'll go and do it on an app or something. Yeah. I, which I'd will be, kill the ratings even more. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested to see how many uh, people who were fans in uh, 1998 or go back to 1989 are still watching NASCAR today and I wonder when that dip happened I I'd be willing to bet that yeah there was a spike in the ratings but I wonder how many of those fans were tuning in right uh, maybe maybe uh not so much because they wanted to watch racing action but because they you know is somebody going to die well, I mean, that you used know? to be the, the allure of the, the sport. Yeah. But then, you know, thanks to people like, uh, and I mean this thing, thankfully, to people like Jackie Stewart, who pioneered a lot of the safety in the 70s, mm-hmm. and that, which went through all of motorsport, um, that it became um, not okay to die for your sport. Right. Uh, which was the, the right way it should have gone. Yeah. Because... Um, eventually that would have killed off the sport too, is watching everybody that was good at it die. Uh-huh. If that were the case, we'd still let people, we wouldn't put boxing gloves on boxers. Right. 
yeah. and you or know wear leather helmets in uh, <laughs> yeah in, in football yeah. So I don't know, but so I I think it was a a compounding thing. I went a long stretch, and it was after. Um, I think it was it was much earlier than '08 that uh, my viewership dropped off. Per- personally, my my watching NASCAR dropped off a lot, um, and I think the, you said the car of tomorrow. I think NASCAR was doing a lot of gimmicky things that I was like, come on, man, let's just race. A three-minute cartoon for a camera yeah, named Digger? Right. That they came up with a gopher for a mascot for? Yeah. Where have I seen a gopher being used as a mascot before? <laughs> in, in, it's not even original stuff they're doing. That was yeah. the whole thing about it. And so, then they'd hire people to do their coverage that were just kind of doofuses, like yeah. Rutledge Wood. <laughs> right. So there was the there was the gimmicky stuff that sort of and maybe they saw an opportunity and I suppose you can't blame them when you said it spiked right after Dale Earnhardt died and maybe they saw that opportunity to grab people and thought we're going to do some gimmicky stuff and I th- the novelty I think wore off quick and by the time the dust settled I know a lot of NASCAR fans who still don't watch today or will maybe they'll turn on the Daytona 500 maybe they'll turn on the Bristol race if it's not on dirt and uh, um, I, you know, here I am complaining again. Um, but I, I, I know people, and I mean, obviously, I know a very limited number in the broad NASCAR pool of, of fans. But I know a lot of people who are just like, no, I'm over it. It's, and it's unfortunate because the racing has been good, you know. And, uh, and I can say that. I mean, they've had some compelling seasons these last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I, I got to go back, though, to this, uh, why don't you like Bristol Dirt? I can't, I don't like it. Hey, you know what? Uh, and I I am uh, uh, self-aware enough to know where my flaws are. And so I can tell you that after that first dirt race where I couldn't see anything and the drivers couldn't see anything, and I'm guessing the fans in the stands not only couldn't see anything, but probably couldn't breathe after it was done. I was like, this is dumb, and I'm not watching it again. <laughs> well, last year's race is pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that's, that was my first impression to it, and I was like, I didn't want to see this anyway, and now I know I don't want to see it. I have an inside source in that that was uh, involved in the track prep on that one. I'm not going to reveal his name right now, but he's one of the best these eyes I've ever seen. Um, he... Uh, he was telling me that he was fighting them, fighting NASCAR. He's like, we can't run this during the day. Okay. There's no way we can run this during the day. It's just going to, it's going to get too dusty. It's going to be too tough for people to see. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, he used different words. Yeah. Um, we're not allowed to swear. I a, think. Diff- a different kind of show. Yeah. yeah. A different kind of show. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, uh, he, uh, and, and he was just sitting there basically saying that hurting's on me. Yeah. And, um, he 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 took a lot of the a lot of the hit for that one. And the next year they had it at night, mm-hmm. which held the moisture in a lot better. And uh, it was a it was a better race. It went all the way down. It was a typical dirt track race. Went all the way down to the last lap where people took each other out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're doing that anyway at Bristol. Well, yeah, but <laughs> this is on dirt. <laughs> so, well, I'll I'll give it a, I'll give it a go this year. It's in two weeks, right? They're going to be back on the dirt. Yes, yeah. Okay. They're uh, this weekend, uh, Sunday, April second, Richmond Raceway, two thirty advertised start time on FS One. There's another thing right there. Advertised uh, when time. when the other than advertised start time, moving their product from a weekly racing schedule on on uh, regular TV, and this is something you know Derek Hansen has been talking about too, and moving it to cable. Yeah. Yeah. Why limit the amount of people that can catch your product? Right. And it always seems like Fox likes to put a big run of them all in a row just before they hand the coverage off over to NBC. Like they're purposely tanking the ratings just before NBC takes over. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that kind of aggravates me a little bit. Yeah. it, It, that is a bummer. And to go along with that, the 230. I like to call that dentist time, by the way. <laughs> I think I used that last time. I won't use it anymore. We got to lighten uh, it up a little bit yeah. after. <laughs> the, 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 the Yelling two, from our rocking chairs here for a little bit. Right. The 2.30 time. So in Richmond, that's 3.30. I, I get not wanting to 
Uh, they do have lights. They do have lights. But I guess what I was getting at was more, if it's going to be a night race, make it a night race. And I suppose it adds a component of how does your car run with the sun uh, with the sun out to the sun down or things like that. But, you know, I, I guess for me, I like either give me an early start time or give me a night race, one, one or the other, so that it's it's like working a it's like working a, a, a an afternoon shift, you know. You you can't do anything in the morning. Your night is your night is gone. Pretty screwed unless you know a good bar afterwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, and it's kind of this way for me too. I'm like, why the two thirty start time? Come on! And um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I I'm I'm not sure. Is, was there ever any? Did anybody ever say why they've got a later start time, or did they just say, hey, we're going to do this at, at 2.30 from now on? I don't know. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I always remember it being like a new noon 30 start Yeah, uh, for the most part, um, unless it was a West Coast race. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't get why they moved it to 2.30. Yeah. But, it's a weird time. I mean, I guess... The Fox is trying to go off of the ratings of like NFL, where their game that's usually the second game, the two the two thirty start time game is the one that got the higher ratings. Sure, but that's the one where it was only the only game playing at at that time. Right. Whereas the noon game always, which kicked off at noon, um, <laughs> maybe twelve oh five, three twelve oh three. Yeah, they they took enough time to get the get, put the ball in the tee and then yeah. kicked it off. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it wasn't exactly at noon. <laughs> a so, lot so closer does, than NASCAR. But. So does Fox make the call or does NASCAR make the call? I'm willing to bet that it is the I'm I'm willing to bet it's the TV provider. It's huh. got to be the broadcaster that has the has the say in it. Huh. Which That'd makes be interesting it, to, makes to total know. sense. That'd be interesting to know. But yeah, Spe- the speaking of that though, their ratings though, a 1.81 rating, 3.129 million viewers, second most watched thing this weekend that wasn't basketball. And it's March Madness yeah. at this point. Yeah. There it was the second most watched thing because it wasn't basketball, which all 12 games were <laughs> were uh, were higher rated than NASCAR was. Ah. Okay. All right. What about points? Where are we at for the point standings? Well, uh, since now a NASCAR buckled under the pressure of Rick Hendrick, uh, <laughs> they re- <laughs> basically overturned the uh, the fine and suspension and points lost. I saw so that. that. That means uh, your point leader now is Alex Bowman with 226 points. In second, Ross Chastain, 15 points back. In third, William Byron, 29 points back. In fourth, Kyle Busch, 34 points back. And in fifth, Joey Logano, 40 points back. Awesome. Speaking of Ross Chastain, did you uh, did you catch the the segment where he was dropping watermelons off of the off of the the 200 and whatever 30 foot uh, tower there? <laughs> yeah, I wanted them to to do that. Like I heard that they were going to do it if you won, but now they just decided to just do it anyways for a bit. Yeah, for one of those video packages that delayed the start of the race. Well, they again, but. they they <laughs> may they may have thought, okay, let's think this through. He wins. He's getting into pit road. How long is it going to take us to get him to that tower to throw that watermelon down? They don't have enough commercials to cover it. <laughs> I highly doubt that. Fair enough. <laughs> what happened in the world of outlaws? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do got to say one good thing that came out of this one weekend. Uh, instead of griping so much, because I gotta gotta bring some positive to this. I don't want to be a negative Nelly so much, but. Uh, they got rid of the stage breaks. Perfectly fine with that. Uh-huh. Because that actually made for some compelling uh, racing going on because now you had to figure out strategy. Yeah. And there were drivers that did the the uh, start from the back of the race and go to the front kind of thing and pit from there and, and then figure it out from there. And then you had other drivers who were like, no, we're short pitting. Mm-hmm. We're going to go when we feel like we're going to go. And then you had drivers that actually... Or like, let's see how long we can go, and then pit, and then work from there. And that was that was really interesting. I, I really like that, and I wish they would do that with every other race from here on out. Get rid of the stage breaks. Be yeah. done with it. But uh, yeah, that was that was my one thing that I really liked. Because it wasn't because of how, where my guy finished. Yeah, um, we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully, uh, which uh, yeah, your guy Ross Chastain finished in the fourth spot out there, which is yeah. big, big one for him. Uh, I have to scroll for a while. Ryan Blaney twenty first. 
Yeah, um, well, he had trouble early. He started 38th, so yeah. he's got that going for him. I don't know if that's a hard charge award, though. <laughs> have to keep uh, looking through this one here. Uh, Chris Buescher went 32-8. to eight. Um, Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't even get hard charger, but yeah. he was running. Yeah. Yeah, he had some early issues, but... So I got that so, going for me. Yeah, he got that going. All right. Now, World of Outlaws. Okay, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> Friday, March 24th, the Talladega Short Track at East Boga, Alabama. Uh, Michael Buddy Kofoid survived multiple restarts, lap traffic, and pressure from the big cat Brad Sweet to win the Friday night race uh, for the Outlaws for the second time in his career. Only his second win. And that's his first at the Talladega Short Track, which you might remember from the movie Trading Paint. Uh, Brad Sweet... <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> it wasn't the worst movie we've done. Uh, Brad Sweet was the runner-up, and Spencer Baston rounded out the podium. Uh, Donnie Schatz was mixing it up in contention for uh, several laps, but got hung up behind a slower car, and he settled for a fifth-place finish. And I, I mean, mixing it up and was in contention. The top, I think, six were all in the frame, and it, they weren't, and they were zoomed in. So it was it was close racing, and it was pretty awesome in the in the uh, when they got into traffic out there. So. Good run out there for Donnie Shots. He needed to have a top five. Yeah, and we got some uh, fun Donnie Shots news coming up in just a little bit. But first, Saturday, March 26th, the Magnolia Motor Speedway Black Ice Brawl. I like that name. I do too. <laughs> in Columbus, uh, Mississippi, Sheldon Hoddenshield took the lead early, but pole sitter Brad Sweet made some pretty sweet moves in traffic to take the lead with 10 laps complete. David Gravel charged up from the 10th to challenge for the lead, but Sweet was too tough, picking up his 80th Outlaws win at his 45th different track. That's neat. That's an impressive stat right there because it just goes to show you how young his career is. Yeah. yeah 80 exactly. wins at 45 different racetracks. That, I mean, that leaves 35 tracks where he has, he's won twice Yeah, or more. That's unreal. That's, uh, that's, that's incredible. So finishing second was David Gravel. Third was Sheldon Hoddenshield. Donnie Schatz was with the season high of fourth place finish, making it two top fives for the weekend. Going on to the points, David Gravel is the point leader, continues to lead the points. He's led since the uh, basically the drop of the green flag in the season. He has 1,140 points. Carson Macedo is in second. He is 28 points back. Brad Sweet in third, 32 points back. Logan Schuhart is 50 points back. Buddy Kofoid... Uh, on the strength of having his first, their second win of his career, he is sixty six points back in the fifth spot. Donnie Schatz went from tenth to seventh in those two with those two top fives. He's ninety eight points out in the seventh position. All right. Next up, sprint cars. Friday, March thirty first through Saturday, April the first. Texas Outlaw Nationals Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas, and the late models. Thursday, April the twentieth. Seymour Showdown Four Eleven Motor Speedway in Seymour, Tennessee. Friday, April twenty first, and Saturday, April twenty second. They'll be at the Alabama Gang One Hundred Weekend at Talladega Short Track in East East. East of Boga. East of Boga. Why can't I pronounce that? It's taken me four weeks to get it right, so don't worry <laughs> about it. All right, so that's what's coming up for the World of Outlaws. The Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas, yeah, has a great documentary out about it called "Get Back to Dirt," which uh, that's that's gonna it's on the short list of movies that we need to review. Okay, um, I have a copy of it. I, and I think I'll just go ahead and watch it again and get do my own review and just hand it to you and we'll 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 uh, have that one in the in the queue coming up. Is that before or after this blockbuster that we have coming up next week? Oh, we got to do that one next week. Are um, we, we going <laughs> to are we just going to leave that we'll, as a teaser? We'll tease it for now. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's a big one. It is giant. Speaking of short. All right. We got some big Donnie Shots news. That's right. Big congratulations go out to Donnie Shots, who was named to the North Dakota State Hall of Fame alongside 08 World Series champion and Red Hawks legend Chris Coast. He hit a home run in 96 that still hasn't landed yet against uh, <laughs> against uh, the dreaded Winnipeg Gold Eyes, which it was it was one of those deciding ones. I was sitting behind home plate when that happened. Oh, really? And the just off a little bit to the first base side, and I hit. And I, or when he hit that ball, it was in a straight line from where I was sitting all the way over, and it disappeared when it got over the fence. I'm like, that was awesome. Uh, somebody's car's got some problems out there. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, so it's great to see Chris Coast and Philly's legend also, too. Uh, they, yeah. they love him out there. Yep. 
Uh, 20-time North Dakota straight track and uh, cross-country champion Becky Wells-Staley also going to be honored as well. Ceremony will take place Saturday, November 18th at the Jamestown Civic Center. All right. So we had some locals on the road. That's right. Uh, this weekend was the, uh, this last weekend, Thursday, March 23rd, all the way through Saturday, March 25th, was the King of America and the Battle at the Bullring at the Humboldt Speedway in Humboldt, Kansas. So Thursday's action started out like this. In the B-Mods, Chris Jackson took the B-Mod win Thursday night with St. Joseph, Minnesota's uh, Shaden Turner finishing in third. Princeton, Minnesota's Zach Benson finished in the ninth spot. Marion, North Dakota's Lucas Rodine was in contention, but contacted a slow car, ending his night on, in 18th position. He never really got got the handling back after that, too. He really really made a hard, hard contact in that 19 machine, and he was moving forward. Uh, region racers not making the show were Cottage Grove, Minnesota's Scott uh, Split, uh, Splitstozer, St. Joseph's Jake Smith, uh, Lakota's uh, North Dakota's Jaden Varnson, and Savage Minnesota's Dan Wheeler. <laughs> I will forever keep putting him in everything so I can do them. <laughs> do the rainy Savage impression. Yeah. I like it. Uh, the AMODs, Terry Phillips. <laughs> Was the winner of the modified feature Thursday night with Lakeshore, Minnesota's Dan Ebert getting fourth. More on him later. Alexandria's Jeremy Nelson finished in 25th, but large Minnesota's Ryan Gerke finished in 28th. Cameron Wisconsin's Kurt Myers didn't make the show along with Glendon's Joey Thomas and Garfield, Minnesota's Justin Fremming, along with also uh, Watertown's Trevor Anderson. Friday night. On Friday, they, there was rain. There was no racing Friday. But Saturday, we had B-Mod action. It was more Chris Jackson dominance as he won the battle at the bull ring for the B-Mods. The win means he's won more times on TV than Ken Jennings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about the, the Wild West shootout out of Otto uh, on here. We had a lot of people from around this area going down there, and he won pretty much every night that uh, Lucas Rodin did not win, so... Yeah, Chris Jackson has definitely, uh, definitely, uh, definitely won a lot on TV. <laughs> I wonder if he's as smart as Ken Jennings. He's oh. got to be at least as far as setting up a race car. Oh, I bet, or better, I would say. Regional racers Scott Splitstoser finished tenth. Dan Wheeler finished twelfth. Not making the show. Lucas Rodine, Jaden Varnson, Jake Smith, and Zach Benson for the A mods. Dan Ebert put on a good show by passing seven cars to become King of America. Other regional racers were Jeremy Nelson finishing ninth, Ryan Gerke finishing 28th, not making the show, Justin Fremming, Dickinson, North Dakota's Mike Hansen, Trevor Anderson, Joey Thomas, and Kurt Myers. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a good run out there. Lake Shores, Dan Ebert. Um, races a lot of the I-94 EMR Speedway uh, out there uh, uh, on Friday nights, so he's pretty pretty much a local. Lakeshore is, I, I don't know how far away that is, but... Uh, it's close enough, obviously, yeah, because he can go down to Humboldt, Kansas. But yeah, great run by Dan Ebert to uh, win that one. That USMTS is not an easy uh, touring series to win. The United States Modified Touring Series. Um, so Dan, and also that is, uh, I believe, Saint Cloud own team that he oh. races for. So uh, him going down there and putting on a putting on a clinic was uh, that's pretty good for Dan. Yeah, uh, and a nice guy on top of it too. I've been in Victory Lane many times. Handing him a trophy, so yeah, good, good job there, Dan. Cool. All right, we had some schedule releases to go through. That's right. Uh, the first one we got is the thirtieth River City Speedway season in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Their weekly classes that they will be running are four ten sprints, Wasota late models, Wasota Midwest modifieds, and Wasota street stocks. They have a seven p.m. start time uh, every night, as far as I know. I don't believe it wavers one bit, uh, as far as looking at it earlier on the schedule. Uh, May fifth is scheduled to be their season opener. Looking outside right now, <laughs> I love the optimism. Yeah, what can I say? Yeah, uh, the optimism's that. great. Uh, the twelfth yep. will be another week of Premier Racing Series racing out there. On the nineteenth, it'll be the Wayne Anderson Cup qualifier. And the 26th, they have their, their premier racing series with lightning sprints added to the card. All right, we move on to June on the second World of Outlaws Sprint Cars and NLRA on the 9th, the Wayne Anderson Cup Qualifier. On the 16th, premier racing series with lightning sprints. Then we move on to the Greater Grand Forks Fair that runs from the 23rd through the 25th. 
On the 23rd, we've got the Rebel Midwest Modified Tour with Lightning Sprints, Midwest Modifieds, and Street Stocks. On the 24th, the Greater Grand Forks Fair again, Demo Derby, street, the school bus races. And then on the 25th at the fair racing, NLRA Tour with Lightning Sprints, Late Models, and Street Stocks. Then we move on to the 30th, the World of Outlaws, Late Models, Midwest Modifieds, and Street Stocks. So July 7th, is uh, we'll start up with the Dirt Race Central Street Stock Tour and the Wayne Anderson Cup Qualifier. In the 14th to be the Buffalo Wild Wings King of the Wings, the IRA versus NOSA showdown. They're going to add lightning sprints, 360 non-wing sprints, and the the IMCA Race Saver sprint cars are going to be there as well. Then uh, the 15th will be the Buffalo Wild Wings King of the Wings night number two. Everything I said before, going to be there again. Um, on the 21st, Big Motor Mania in the Wayne Anderson Cup qualifier. NOSA versus IRA once again. Lightning sprints, non-winged, and IMCA sprints also going to be in attendance. And then uh, they wrap up July with a premier racing series with the lightning sprints making another appearance. All right. August 4th, Hall of Fame night with Wissota Modifieds. On the 11th, Minkota Lightning Sprint Nationals. The 18th, Buffalo Wild Wings Blazon Challenge with IMCA sprints. And then the 25th, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars and NLRA. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, September... On the first, the Midwest Power Series 410 sprints, along with the Wasota Late Models and non-wing sprints, will be on the card. You know, on the seventh, it's the prelude to the Johnny, the NLRA Championship. Late Models, Midwest Modifieds, Street Stocks, Modifieds, and Super Stocks. Then that goes right into the eighth. Uh, that will be uh, eighth and ninth. Will be the John Sites Memorial Night Number One. Of course, going to have and two going to have the same classes both nights. Late models, Midwest modified street stocks, modifieds, and super stocks. Super stocks making their first trip back in well over a decade, I believe, uh, up to that event. So nice. Pretty cool to see that one. Um, and then the 15th, that'll be the season finale with the lightning sprints. All right. And then we have the Superior Customs Red River Sprint Series, the inaugural season for the IMCA Race Saver Sprint Series. Yeah, we had uh, Nick Skalicki on a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of hinted at this. Uh, yeah. Um, this new series coming up with the uh, for the inaugural season for the IMCA Race Saver Sprint Series. Um, this class has been blowing up the last couple of years, and in a good way. Not like we're blowing up motors or anything like that, but uh, they're uh, so because of that, and we got a lot of tracks that want to run them around here. Yeah, and we're getting a, a lot bigger of a car count, so might as well have a series along yeah. with it that'll help grow and show everybody at all these tracks, you know what these what these cars can do. That'll start in May. It'll be May 8th. Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon going to kick off the first ever, the first inaugural uh, IMCA Race Saver Sprint Series, Red River Sprint Series. Yeah. In June, on June 8th, Norman County Raceway in Ada, Minnesota. And then on the 9th, Red River Valley Speedway, real close in West Fargo. I'm going to be at both of those, I bet. Um, in July, it'll be the <laughs> 9th at the Buffalo River Speedway in Glendon, Minnesota. On the 14th, it'll be River City Speedway in Grand Forks, North Dakota. In On the 15th, River City Speedway here once again. Then they are going to go out to the Norman County Raceway on the 27th of July. And on the 28th, back at the Red River Valley Speedway. And then in August, August 2nd, again back at the Red River Valley Speedway. On the 3rd, Norman County Speedway, back to the Red River Valley Speedway on the 17th. And uh, the 17th Red River Valley Speedway, and then on the 18th, the River Cities Speedway. Then we go into September, the 9th and 10th during the Corn Cob Nationals at the Buffalo River Speedway. On the 15th, it'll be the River. Uh, they'll be back out at the River Cities Speedway. And then uh, the and that'll do it for the schedule for uh, the Red River Sprint Series. Yeah, and we have one more schedule release. Yeah, the first ever Moonshine Mod Tour. And that's a pretty cool thing. The Wasota Modifieds getting a little bit more traction in the area, and they, you know, after the Street Stocks had a really good tour, and the Midwest Modifieds had a really good tour, and they've been putting up a lot, of, a lot of good numbers. Why not have a modified tour? Yeah. Right? Why not bring one from the Premier Series out there uh, to uh, to attention? Um, and it's it, got a cool name with the Moonshine Moon, Moonshine Mod Tour. Yeah. I know this is kind of also a takeoff of the original modified tour from around the area for Wasota the uh, RV tour but uh and it's it's cool to see this tradition continuing on that's kicks off in June 
on the 15th at the Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon, North Dakota. Then they go down to Aberdeen, South Dakota on the, 5th, on the 16th at Brown County Speedway. On, seven, on the 17th, they go down to Miller Central Speedway in Miller, South Dakota, one of the few tracks in the area I still haven't been to yet. And then on the 18th, they go to Casino Speedway in Watertown after that four-little four race uh, swing. Then they come back up this way in July. Yes, in July, July 20th, Norman County Raceway, the 21st River City Speedway. And then on the 22nd, they head out to Greenbush, Minnesota at the Greenbush Race Park. Then uh, they cap it off in August. That'll be August 10th. It'll be the Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon. Then it'll be uh, the 11th, I-94 EMR Speedway in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. On the 12th, it'll be Viking Speedway in Alexandria, Minnesota. And on the 13th, Granite City Motor Park is the championship night in Sock Rapids, Minnesota. All right. What else do we have coming up next? Well, Sunday, April 2nd uh, is when we have, we got Formula One Australian Grand Prix with at the at Albert Park Circuit in Melbourne, Australia. Then uh, IndyCar PPG 375 at the Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, right next to the Buckies, right off of the interstate right there in Fort Worth, Texas. All right. And uh, next week, uh, we'll have a we'll have a winter view lined up for next week. Nice. Um, and also, we alluded to this big movie that we're going to be reviewing for the show, and that is Dorf Goes Auto Racing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it. If you, <laughs> it's a double feature DVD yeah. <laughs> with Dorf on the diamond. We're not going to do that. Not going to talk baseball on that one. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's. There's a lot of cameos in that movie, um, and I think they pretty much heavily rely on it. Yeah, but that's that's but that's what I'm going to do on that one. All it's, right, it's a uh, more of your favorite racing, road course racing. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to watch it this week. In the meantime, we've got Corey Litton on the KFGO Morning Crew on 790 and 104.7 FM KFGO with Dan and Doug. Uh, you were on this morning, which is Thursday. Are you moving to Friday next week? I believe so. Okay, Friday. I know we said we said that last week, but yeah, I believe I'm moving to Fridays next week. All right, sounds good. At six forty on seven ninety and one hundred four point seven KFGO. Uh, again, you can find us at kfgo.com or anywhere you find your podcasts. Hey, thanks for being here again. Share with a friend. Let them know. Tell them. Tell them they got to do it. You just have to. If you want to hear some uh, great updates on local racing, NASCAR racing, World of Outlaws, everything, keep it right here at Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. So until next time, for Corey Litton, I'm Ryan Janke. We'll see you.